0: Thank you for listening to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast, located here in Pasco, Washington, where lives are still being changed for Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy it. So if you could open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 6, we'll be reading there in a moment. Um, In the early 1990s, when someone said the word Amazon, most people would have thought of the Amazon rainforest or the Amazon River. Say the word Amazon today and pretty much everybody thinks of the same thing, and it's not a river, and it's not a rainforest. Today, Amazon is the most well-known online retailer in the world. The company was founded in 1994 by Jeff Bezos, who originally ran it out of his garage. It's now become one of the world's leading influential companies. Amazon.com Incorporated went public and began selling shares on the NASDAQ on May 15, 1997 at a price of $18 per share. Now, if on that day in 1997, someone were to have invested $10,000 in Amazon stock, those stocks would now, today be worth more than $12 million. That's actually as of May 2020, so probably even more now. Um, so to put that into perspective, that's a growth of more than 120,000%. That's a good growth. The company's own growth has been geometric since its early days as an online bookseller. Not many people are buying books on there anymore. I'll probably sell that too and everything else. Uh, to a, Now they're a juggernaut of business that sells everything from books to groceries to data storage to movies. Amazon's market value has eclipsed $1 trillion in 2018, and its founder, Jeff Bezos, um, as of January 30, 13th, was the second richest man in the world. I think he still holds that title. Um, it's easy to look at Amazon and say, back in the early 90s, I would have been a successful investment. Now, you might not have been able to say that so easily in 1997 unless you had a crystal ball. But there's another investment that looking forward can guarantee to always have positive growth, and that is investing in God's kingdom. With what measure we put in, good or bad, we get out good or bad. And like the stock market, all investments in life have a good or bad return. But investing in the kingdom of God is the only safe investment. Luke chapter 6, verses seven, uh, 37 through 38 says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your presence here tonight. God, we ask, Lord, that you would minister to the people in this place, God, that you would speak, Lord, not um, not by my talents or my abilities, Lord, but through your Holy Spirit, God, that you would touch each person in this place and deliver the message that you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So despite the the early seemings of this sermon, it is not actually about money, but we're talking about investing our lives and what we're putting things into. So first I wanna look at investing in things of the world and what investing in things of the world looks like um, king solomon was known early in his reign over israel for building the temple of god and his great riches and peace with all the surrounding nations and god also declared that he would be the wisest man ever first kings three twelve. god said to solomon behold i now do according to your word behold i give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall rise or arise after you. So King Solomon for a long time did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. That's what the scriptures say, but despite his wisdom, he began to invest in his own interests. And we see that start in First Kings eleven one through 8, which says, now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Then Solomon built a high place for Chemerosh, the, the abomination of Moab, and for Moloch, the abomination of the Ammonites, and on the, mountain of East Jerus- on the mountain of East Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives, and made offerings and sacrifices to their gods. So at first we see King Solomon, who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, built the temple and had peace. And then we see King Solomon investing heavily in his own political interests. Many commentators believe that many of his marriages were for political interest. But as we read in this scripture, over time, it became more than just that. These women turned their, turned his heart away from God to their false gods. He became to uh, begin to invest in his lusts and his own desires, and they began to pull him away from God. So naturally, as everything in life does, this came with consequences. First Kings 11, 9-13, through 13, we see them. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He turned away from the God who appeared to him twice. Can you believe that? Nowadays, you know, people are committed, you know, different people are committed on different levels. But to see the Lord twice and turn away, that's what investing in the world will do. You'll begin to forget the things that God has done. So he had appeared to him twice and had commanded him according to this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statues that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. So God says you made mistakes and now you have consequences. But because of your father's faithfulness, there will still be time and a chance for you and your descendants to be something, to have something, and to have a chance. To have a chance to turn back to God and to live for Him. So King Solomon and all of his descendants had an opportunity and had a chance to follow God in His plans. And God granted this opportunity because of King David's faithfulness, because of King David's investment into God's plan. King David was a man after God's own heart. So if you're here and you feel like you've always had the cards stacked against you, maybe things don't always go your way. Maybe things just, you know, if it's a 50-50 chance, it's more like a, you know, a 99-1 chance in your mind. Well, let me tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. See, God has an opportunity for each and every one of us to serve him in different ways and change the course of your life and your family's life and your descendants' life. Just losing a majority of the kingdom wasn't the only consequences that King Solomon suffered. God had raised up Hadad the Edomite and Rezon the son of Elida, Jeroboam the son of Nebat, who was one of Solomon's own servants against him. And this caused him many different issues until Solomon eventually died. Solomon investing in the world had long-term results after he died, and they weren't good. From his life forward, Israel split into two. And for centuries, both nations were ruled by wicked, selfish, ungodly men and drove Israel farther and farther away from God. So like Solomon, so many times investing in the world seems like it could bring you gain. And sometimes it seems like sin does bring, bring pleasure, but only for a season. Hebrews eleven twenty-four through 26, speaking of Moses, says, By faith, Moses... When he, was, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. See, Moses was a Hebrew, but by God's sovereignty, he grew up in Pharaoh's palace and was called royalty. He was called a son of the Pharaoh's daughter. But he knew that staying there would be investing his life in the world and not in God's kingdom. He knew that staying there would not be answering God's call for his life. And Moses ultimately made the right investment. And as a result of that, God used him to perform many signs and wonders in his life as he led Egypt through the desert into the promised land. See, Moses took what appeared to be the best option, living a life of royalty, most people would choose that, and he rejected it, and invested in what God had for him, and what resulted in what we read about in the history of Israel. You know, it's one of the most prominent stories in the desert, right? Israel going through the, the, uh, prominent stories in the Bible, Israel going through the desert. So at times we want to invest in God's kingdom, like Moses did, but we end up trying to do it our own way, and we make bad investments, maybe with good intentions at first. So investing bad efforts into good things, we see this in the story of twin brothers Jacob and Esau in the book of Genesis. God tells Rebekah, their mother, in Genesis 25-23, says, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the other shall, shall serve the younger. So Jacob was the younger of the two, and Rebecca knew the promises that God had told her for Jacob. That the other, that the older shall serve the younger, which isn't tradition, you know. Back in, the, back in the day, you know, nowadays, kids grow up and it's whichever one pushes the other one around the most is the one that rules, right? But that's not the way it was in the Bible times. We all know this. The oldest one was the favorite. They got the uh they got the inheritance, or at least a majority of it. And Rebecca knew the promise that it was going to be backwards. So near the death of Isaac, which was their father, Rebekah and Jacob took matters into their own hands. And they stole the blessing of the firstborn, fearing that, God, that the word that God spoken wouldn't come true unless they did this. See, they understood the prophecy that God spoke over the lives of Jacob and Esau, but they lacked the faith to allow God to make it happen on his own terms. Now, how often in our lives do we see the plans that God has for us? Do we see what he has planned for us and we think, that's awesome. You know, we're we're going to cling to this. We're going to, we're excited, you know. And then things kind of start to take a little while. Maybe a couple things don't go exactly the way you thought it would. And then it starts to get harder and harder to wait. So then you take matters into your own hands. We make our own moves because we think maybe God forgot about us or, or maybe, maybe, you know, take a, take a step of faith. You know, have you ever seen somebody do that when they say, oh, I just got to take this leap of faith, and everybody's like, but you're supposed to be going that way. <laughs> so then we find ourselves wandering through the desert, wrestling with God before we can finally, eventually move back into the promises that God has for us. We prolong, we prolong God's promises for us by trying to do it our own way, because we don't have the faith in God's way, even when it seems impossible. Now, sometimes we invest good things the wrong way. We see an example of this in Cain's sacrifices to God in Genesis 4, 2 through 7. It says, And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, but you must rule over it. So a lot of commentators agree that ultimately Cain's offering was rejected because God saw his heart behind the offering. Verses 3 and 4 draw a contrast between the two offerings, which offers some insight that perhaps Cain's offering wasn't the first and best of his first fruits, you know, the first 10%, right? But either way, most commentators and myself Agree that he rejected Cain's offering because Cain's heart was not in the offering. Cain was simply going through the motions, just completing the religious habits, thinking it would be enough. And we find another example of this in the story of the rich young young ruler. Matthew 19, 16-22 says, And behold, a man came up to Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the rich young ruler says back to him, All of these things I have kept. So now at this point. You would think, you know, the rich young ruler should be feeling confident. All of these things I have kept. You know, maybe puffing up his chest a little bit like, yeah, that's right. I'm good. I did these things. But no, that's not what happens. What did he say? All these things I have kept. What do I still lack? Not all these things I have kept. Sweet, I'm good. Thanks, Jesus. See you later. Not all these things I have kept. Anything else? You know, anything else I'm missing? All these things I have kept. What do I still lack? See, he knew somewhere deep down inside that with all of the good works that he's done, all of the works that he's accomplished, he's still lacking something. And Jesus' response exposes exactly what it was. Jesus says to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. See, Jesus saw the rich young ruler wasn't lacking in good deeds. And he knew the law, and he kept it. At least, he thought he did. The rich young ruler gave God his efforts, but he did not give God his heart, and Jesus saw that. Jesus saw right through all his works that this man's heart truly lied with his possessions and his power. So if we give Jesus our efforts, our resources, our time, but we don't give Jesus our heart, then we are giving Jesus nothing that is really of worth to him. So many people today have the mentality of the rich young ruler. You know, we treat our salvation as a checklist, as a scale. You know, oh, I did this many good things, so that outweighs these bad things. I should be fine. But Jesus wants more than our good deeds on our checklist. He wants our heart. Our hearts surrendered to his will. So what does investing your heart into God's kingdom look like? Matthew six nineteen through 21 Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor what rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So how do we invest our heart? First you have to invest in something before you get the return. God won't bring you growth without your investment. People don't make a fortune in the stocks by just watching the stocks. They make uh, they make their fortune by putting their money on the line and taking a risk and hoping for a return. So we can go to church, we can read our bibles, we can talk the talk but we can't get the growth until we put something on the line, until we truly give our hearts up and invest it in God. There was a time when uh, we were outreaching at the mall, which is what we often do when it's too cold outside, you know, snowing or whatever. Um, that doesn't stop us. We still go confront strangers in the mall, which is always fun. So we're outreaching in the mall and uh, we're talk, uh me and Pastor Harvey are talking to this guy and uh and this guy's life is falling apart, man. His his kids don't like him. His wife is talking about leaving him. And he's just like, I don't know what to do. I, 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 I don't want this to happen. I want to have a better life. Da, 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 da You know, he's going on and on. And we tell him, look, man, give your life to God. And, and I'm not saying everything's going to be hunky-dory, but it'll be better. <laughs> and he, what he said was, you know what? If God... Let's me keep my wife, and he gives me a better relationship with my kids, then I'll start coming to church. And we try to tell him, no, 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 that's not how it works. You don't just tell, you you don't negotiate with God. You don't say, hey, listen, God, give me this, that, and the other thing, and then I'll come to church. Because first of all, how many of us know that you still ain't going to come to church? (laughs) That's a side point. He wanted God to fix his life and move in his circumstances without any investment on his own end. Proverbs 3, 5-6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We have to trust in God with our hearts. We have to put it all on the line and then lean on him and not ourselves. And then, and then he makes our paths straight. We can't tell God, hey, God, make my path straight, make my life better, and then I'll give you my heart. You see, what's happened already is God says, I already gave you my heart. I already gave you my son. Give me your heart, and I'll do even more for you. So, what's our return in investment? So, the definition of a return on investment is this return on investment is a performance measured used to evaluate the efficiency or profitability of an investment or compare the efficiency of a number of different investments ROI try, uh, tries to directly measure the amount of return on a particular investment relative to the investment's cost so speaking of investing our hearts into God's kingdom what is our return Jeremiah 29:13 says you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart See, this is a promise from God. If we seek God with all our hearts, we will find him. This isn't really like a a guess on our return in investment. It's a promise that if we seek God with all our hearts, we will find him. It's a guaranteed investment. I'm not a stock market expert, but I know there ain't any stocks like that. I mean, Bitcoin, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That'll crash eventually too, guys. That's how it works. Psalms 37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Not he might, he will. But, but, there's a catch here. See, when you first come to Christ, the desires of your heart might be different. It might be houses, it might be cars, it might be careers, this, that, and the other thing. Nothing wrong with those things. But when you give your God to heart think, uh, your heart to God, things change, starting with your heart. You begin to desire things that God cares about. You begin to find fulfillment in the things of God, things of eternal value. That's eternal value. Investing in God's kingdom is a long-term investment, like really long, like eternity long. First, John. 2 24 through 25 says let what you heard from the beginning abide in you if what you heard from the beginning abides in you then you too will abide in the son and in the father and this is the promise that he made to us eternal life see this is everlasting church we give god our hearts and it brings eternal gain and verse 25 says it's a promise our return on investment Guaranteed, says it right here. Investing in the stock market is risky, but investing your life in God's kingdom has a guaranteed return. The investment is challenging and we don't always see the gain in the moments. I can tell you that from experience, but it's there. The world will tell us we're wasting our time, we're wasting our life, we're wasting our resources, we're wasting our twenties, we're wasting our thirties, we're wasting our forties. Whatever decade you're in, they're going to tell you you're wasting it. People we care about might walk away from us because we feel like we're losing or they feel like we're losing. But we can't lose heart. We can't give up. Galatians 6 9 says, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We don't always see the gain in the moment but we can't grow weary. Focus on God's promises and in due season, he will bring the increase. James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The crown of life, eternal life in in heaven with Christ is the goal. That's the ultimate goal of our investment far greater than anything on this earth we could dream of. Even if you bought Bitcoin when it first came out, even if you bought Amazon stocks in 1997, this investment right here will bring the greatest return we could ever dream of. But if we pull out of this investment, if we give up, we lose it all. It's gone. We begin to take what we gained and invest it in the world and just like that, it's gone. No one has ever gained anything of true eternal value by investing in the world. But it says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast. We have to endure. We have to invest our hearts in the kingdom of God. And we will see the increase. Can I have every head bowed and every eye closed? You've just listened to the Potter's House Tri-Cities Podcast located here in Pasco, Washington. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you come back for more.